0: What works with social media? Today, I'll be joined by Brian G. Johnson, and we're going to explore how to get people to watch your YouTube videos all the way to the end. We're going to talk a lot about the psychology and a lot about what's at play and why YouTube cares so much about retention time. If you are creating videos on YouTube and you want people to watch them, which we all do, then you're going to want to pay close attention to today's podcast episode. By the way, want to reach me, tag me on Instagram at Stelzner or email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And if you're new to this podcast, hit that subscribe button so you never miss a future episode. And now for this week's brand new discovery.
1: Helping you stay alive in the social jungle. Here is this week's survival tip.
0: Today, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery.
1: What'd you find, Eric? I found a cool tool for all you iPhone users who are envious of the Google Pixel ability to take better photos at nighttime. It's called NeuralCam. Tell me more. So it's called NeuralCam. It is the night mode camera app for your iPhone. It's going to allow you to take brighter and clearer pictures in the evening with your iPhone. Now, how it does that is it uses AI and computational photography.
0: Huh, what's that?
1: So basically it's taking a test of what the camera is able to capture and then it does this whole processing kind of things in the device and is able to then, and they give you examples of how it looks pre, during, and post-process on their site. And it's basically magic. Like I don't understand the computational photography. That's what they say it is. But when I see the, you know, before, during, and after processing photos, I'm like, oh yeah, this is magic. So what kind of,
0: Use scenarios. Are we talking about like outside on your patio at night kind of stuff? Or what are we exactly talking about?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. And being able to maybe even do like a selfie with some people, but it's dark at night and you're like, well, if you get into the light, it kind of washes everybody out. You want to kind of have that, you know, uh, high dynamic resolution photography, but at night and you just don't want to be like, well, we can't take any pictures. It's nighttime. Sorry. So how does it work? So what you do is you'll want to actually take the photo with the app. You'll take it inside. Now, you can import photos. That is possible. But I would suggest, due to my experimenting with this app, taking photos in the app and then putting the focus lock on and then you go ahead and take the picture. And then it's going to take a little longer. It's going to process the photo almost like back in the day with the Polaroids. You'd wait for them to come out and then you'd shake them and then they would come out. Like it's kind of like that. But then you see the photo come out and it's really clear and it looks really good instead of what you could have taken with your regular camera.
0: So it's not like you have to hold your arm out there while it's processing and you take the shot and then afterwards it starts the processing, right?
1: Yeah, no. Once it's caught the picture, once it's captured that photo, it processes in-app. You don't have to hold you know your phone out the whole time. How long does it take to process it? Uh, it's not that long. I mean, they, they say it can take a little bit, but you know, up to maybe 10 seconds is what I was seeing. Do you
0: think they're sending it up into the cloud and then sending it back, or do you think it's all happening on your phone?
1: Uh, they say it's happening on the phone, so I'm going to go ahead and take their word.
0: <laughs> got it. So you just have to wait a little bit longer to see if you got the shot. And if you didn't, yeah. you'll take it again. Is that the idea?
1: Yeah, exactly. And and again, this is going to make it easy to where you're not worrying about having a flash wash out the photo. You're getting the true you know, depth of field and uh, the high dynamic kind of resolution photos. That's exactly what it looks like really when it comes out is you've taken a photo at night where Everything's kind of like, you know, cloudy and covered and just very dark. And then when it's done processing, it's like it punched up all the right places. And it knew to do that based on scanning the whole photo. So does this thing cost money? Right now it's out there for launch release and it's $2.99. $2.99. Got it.
0: Okay. Where do we find this thing?
1: This is a great URL. It's at neural.cam. That's Neural, N-E-U-R-A-L dot C-A-M. Thank you so much, Eric, for that new discovery. You're welcome.
0: I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And now for my interview with Brian G. Johnson.
1: Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide.
0: Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Brian G. Johnson. If you don't know who Brian is, he's a YouTube expert who authored two books, Trust Funnel and Tube Ritual. He helps people stake their claim and amplify their message with the power of YouTube. His course is called Tube Rank Ritual. Brian, welcome to the show.
2: Man, it is so good to be here. No, but for real, like, because this, we we had to make this happen. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we're going to get to that in a second. So today, Brian and I are going to explore what you need to know to get people to watch your videos. But Brian alluded to a funny little story that we're going to share with you. We are sitting about uh, four feet apart from each other. That's true. At, in a hotel room at Vid Summit, and uh, Brian, why don't you why don't you give a little bit of the backstory of what we were trying to do and how we ended up here?
2: So the thing is, is I live in an amazing, beautiful home at the top of a mountain, and what that means is with. The amazing view, you, ha- you got some sacrifice. And one of the sacrifices is I have this crazy internet. It's called line of sight. So it's like Wi-Fi. And the signal is, can be pretty good for months and months and months. And then it can go to horrible. And I don't want to swear. So I'm, I'm reserving. I'm like pulling back. But basically, what's funny, Mike, is that we met one time to organize ourselves. You were so amazing.
0: And we were on video and it was fine.
2: And the quality was? Good was really good. And everything was great. And I'm like, I really like this guy that felt so good. I've never spent time with someone on a podcast. The organization was amazing. I'm like, of course, this guy is the guy behind the amazing conference and the amazing website. And I'm just so honored. And I felt good. And then the day came to record. And everything... like. Was just so bad like mike's voice kind of sounded like
0: and brian <laughs> just literally disappeared on me it was as if he wasn't there so we, we rescheduled it for another day and, and it happened again and it same, happened again same thing so i said you know what i'm gonna be at uh, vid summit why don't i just pack up the back of my car with a mobile rig and we are we are here today so thank goodness we got it to work
2: man i'm just blessed and i just want to say again mike i really appreciate your patience and You know, for me, I feel like you get to an age where sometimes stuff happens. Right. And like 10 years ago, I would have been a lot more stressed about it. Right. And you were so gracious. So thank you. I was still a little stressed about it. I think anyone would be. Yeah. And I saw the first day I saw it at one point, you were a little flustered too, you know, like as human beings, that happens to all of us. But thank you for your patience. Very much appreciate it.
0: Well, it's my pleasure. So today we're going to go ahead and start before we get into how to actually get people to watch your videos. And we could have a little how to get people to listen to your podcast by sharing stories here, of course. But let's start with what's your story, man? How did you get into YouTube? Because I know you've been doing this for a while.
2: You know, I want to go back a little bit earlier and actually just talk a little bit about my start with internet marketing. And I can remember being a kid in the classroom. I heard about all these things I could do. You could be a doctor, an attorney, a lawyer. You could work for someone else. You could work with your hands. You could be a carpenter. And I just like, those all sound kind of okay, but like... I heard this idea of working for yourself and it just sounded almost like like a game or something. Like you set the rules and the boundaries and and I got started with the network marketing things. Like right. so so many of us in the industry, we pass through that very quickly, usually. Right. right. <laughs> but then the internet came along and I was like, hmm, this internet, this is gonna be a big deal. And one of the things that I've discovered is that I think a lot of people think you've got to make all these amazing decisions. You've got to have all these successful things that happened. And for me, that has not been the case. But there have been a few times in my life where I made a good decision. I saw something coming up. And I was like, this internet is going to be big. And I'm going to figure it out. And And I started building websites. I started driving traffic. That led to SEO that led to affiliate marketing. I started making crazy money. I quit my job as a chef. And about 12 years, 13 years later, I wrote a book called Trust Funnel. Did really well. Our mutual friend, Joel Com forwarded the book. He actually gave me some really nice feedback on the launch. He said, wow, your launch was so great. And that's just uh, nice. I just really like Joel. He's at this event too, but he's not in the room. Joel, we love <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you. <laughs> but that was kind of like, the precursor to youtube. And what's interesting is I got done with that period of my life and I spent a long time writing the book, like 9 months writing the book. And then I spent 9 months launching the book. Of course the book launched did good. Nobody spends that much time, but I got done and I was like, what the heck do I do with my life now? Like I I guess I have to be a grown-up all over again and figure that out and and I kind of just took a, a month off and kind of thought about like just, there's no rush. You did great. Money's flowing, coaching clients, all the things are working out. And I started getting signals, you know, like, hey, you, you really, you're heavy on video. We, I love what you do on video. Your book was good, but you've got something that you could really harness with video. And that is really what led to me jumping onto YouTube. And that's how I started.
0: What year was that when you started on YouTube?
2: Yeah. So that was the spring of 2016. I started on March 1st.
0: Okay, so we're recording in late 2019, so we're about three, three and a half years later. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the journey.
2: So the journey was interesting. I leveraged a lot of the SEO experience I had gained from the websites and Google optimization, all that stuff. And it was very, very helpful. And I was able to really jumpstart my channel quick and get good results. But I wouldn't say they were exceptional Results. And I think if we're honest as human beings, no one wants to play like, hey, I'm a B player, you know, I'm like on the, the C league or something like that. So I really had to practice and study and learn and really self examine, which is hard and be ob- uh, two words I love objective and subjective. Very, very important on YouTube, really anything we do in life. Right. And I just kept cracking away at it. And what's so amazing, Mike, is I'm really a goal driven guy. I put goals out there into the ether, like I announced them on social media and whatnot, and it helps me do better. It helps me play a little bit bigger. And I had this crazy idea. And honestly, when I said it, I didn't think I'd achieve it. And I didn't, but I came so close. And that was, I guess it was like, when was it? In the fall of last year, I had like 49,000 subscribers. And I said, I'm going to double in a year which would basically the idea was if I double, I'm going to be knocking on the door of a a silver play button, 100,000 subscribers, which that's a huge milestone in the industry. And even people outside the industry see that as like you get this award and whatnot. And lo and behold, you know, I just crossed the day I stepped on stage at VidSummit. So that took three years to make happen was also the same day that I crossed 100,000 subscribers.
0: So you're talking a few days ago. Just a few days ago. Congratulations.
2: Yeah. So it's like, how often do you get to check off two big bucket list items? And it was just, it really, really felt good, you know? And it's like, one of the things I want to share with everyone, if I can, is just that if you put yourself out there and you have the audacity to dream big, like when I wrote my book, I told people, I'm not writing a book, I'm writing a New York Times bestselling book. And that scared the heck out of me and i didn't achieve that but i was like number one in a, a thousand categories on amazon like the feedback from joel was amazing like tons of sales tons of revenue and i like i didn't achieve that goal but like where i landed was so amazing and with 100,000 subscribers i missed that one too but not by that much by a, a handful of days and some of the times you do you know some of the times you do reach your goals when i started on youtube my goal was to hit 10,000 subscribers in a year and i did that
0: Awesome. So, uh, just so y'all know, we uh, both Brian and I have this crazy thing with our voices going on right now. So, if you hear an occasional uh, deeper sounding voice from me, it's because I've been supporting some sort of crazy cold. All right. So, Brian, awesome story. So, let's go into the next question, which is why? Um, Why to the marketers who are listening right now, why YouTube? Because obviously, you are a marketer before you started getting into YouTube, you're still a marketer now. A lot of people listening right now are not yet on the YouTube bandwagon. What is a reason they might want to consider it?
2: So for me personally, I'm I'm going to lay out two reasons and then we're going to go into each one. So number one, you just mentioned it, Mike. Our pal Justin Brown was in the room. He was in the hotel. And you mentioned the longevity of a podcast and that uh, a podcast can be put out. You can publish it and it can move forward, and it can drive a crazy amount of uh, engagement. And I
0: think we're hearing a train go by.
2: I hear, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> and I haven't seen any trains here, but you know, yeah. that's uh, that's just how this stuff works. I think <laughs> exactly. It's never perfect, but Keep anyway, going. like you know, having the ability to publish a piece of content that basically drives views or gets uh, visitors and whatnot. One of the very first videos I published to my channel, it was bad. The technical quality was bad. The sound, it was also bad. The delivery was fun, but it was not. It was not a match for my audience. That video today drives over a hundred views a day, and today it's got over a thousand views total, huh. and that's really powerful. So that's one of the reasons. Once you publish. A video can really push your business forward for years and years. Not a lot, like there's not a lot of content online that can do that. Like you can't do that on Facebook, you can't do that on Twitter, you can't do that on Instagram or something like that.
0: It's true. The shelf life of a Facebook post is if you're lucky a day.
2: It's like gone in a in a minute here. So that's really powerful. The other thing that I absolutely love is as a marketer. The easiest way to make a whole lot of money in the world is to find someone that's about to spend their money. Like, uh, for example, I've made uh, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. Targeting Halloween costumes back in the day. It's like if you see someone that's searching for a candy corn witch costume and you built a simple website that has a picture of a candy corn witch costume with like a buy link, a lot of people are gonna buy. Like they've already gone down that sales funnel. So for me, like being able to see the search terms that people are searching for on YouTube and then targeting those, like I'm thinking of jumping back in the marketing space, launching another channel. And one of the things I'm thinking about is there's a lot of keywords. That are very buyer centric. It's like uh, Click Funnels versus Kajabi. So, like, I'm a Kajabi user. I believe in Kajabi, and I've got a lot of uh, really great ideas on how I could not just connect with the visitor or the viewer, but all- how I could also like build trust and basically offer them some extra stuff, a bonus increase the conversions, and make a whole lot of money. So when you have both of those things working for you, when you have the opportunity to target keyword phrases, and then you have an opportunity to like drive views for a long, long period of time, it's very, very powerful.
0: Excellent. So what do you see as some of the biggest mistakes? Because you've been doing this YouTube thing for like, what, three plus years, when it comes to making their videos on YouTube.
2: So... I think at the core, the issue is people really struggle in real time to be objective and also to be subjective. We've already mentioned those. And the problem can be is that you know you get very attached uh, on an emotional level, and you feel good about the fact that you're moving forward and creating. But at the end of the day, if we're really honest with ourselves, it's not up to us to really value the content we make As we make it, it's our job to do the best we can to have understanding of what the audience wants and then to publish it. And then our analytical data will tell us how the audience enjoys it.
0: Talk to us. I know that uh, when we were talking and preparing for this, you were talking about things like closed captions and tags and playlists and stuff and how that might not be the right area to focus. So talk to me a little bit about that as well.
2: Yeah, so, and I think this kind of leads into it. So what's interesting is oftentimes we don't look at what is the most important stuff, which is kind of a reflection on us. And we get all like hung up on the superficial. So for example, I was thinking today, As you progress on YouTube, you can get a URL shortener at 100 subscribers. And you might get excited about that and focus on that for a while. And then you achieve that. And another example might be uh, closed captioning and the YouTube tags. So a lot of people think are like, well, I've got my YouTube tags optimized, and my description's great. And you know what? This other video is covering the same things. It's got the same kind of title. I've done the same thing, and I don't have any views. And that's where that thing about, you know, being objective, being subjective, taking yourself out of the equation and focusing on connecting with the viewer. Because the YouTube tags, they really don't drive the kind of results that so many people think they do. Think about it like this. I mean, can you imagine if it really did? If all it took was to take a keyword phrase, create a video title around that phrase, add that phrase as your tag, maybe write a a sentence and add it to your description and you were number one? Could you imagine the horrible quality that we'd have on YouTube? Like it would just be too easy to game. And what really matters is how long viewers watch your videos. We've all heard this. Even if you're, you're just getting started, chances are you may have heard of watch time. It's such a big part of the YouTube algorithm. And watch time truly measures the value that the audience is getting out of the content.
0: Yeah. And what Brian's talking about here is a really important thing to focus on. YouTube wants people to stay on YouTube in the same way Facebook wants people to stay on Facebook, right? So YouTube talks about this thing called session duration, right? Yep. And we talk about things like video retention, right? So we want to create videos that get people to watch the video. And Brian... So many times, I think people just create videos and they don't even think about the fact that people are going to, like, like. I mean, I I just remember how I was when I started putting up YouTube videos. I was, I was just talking, and yeah, you know, there was no reason for anyone to stick around. And now there's so much more to it. And one of the things that you've been doing really well is figuring out how to tell a story. Yeah, right inside of a video. So what I would love you to talk about is like what you've learned over the last couple of months as you've developed this new kind of story method, if you will, inside of your video. Yeah. And maybe we could just break down what it, what's involved, you know?
2: Yeah, awesome. And it's, it's interesting because like when I started, I had a lot of creativity. I did some of that story stuff, but I wasn't there. And, but as I evolved and as I grew, and especially like in year two, I saw that I was a little too quirky. I was pushing that when I don't need, like I'm a quirky guy, dude, just be yourself. Just get in front of the uh, microphone, get in front of the camera, and so on. And so, the second year, I kind of pulled way back. But like, that's not really me either. Like, I needed to find that happy medium that works for me and my audience, where I am authentic. And I want to do the creative thing. And that's really what led me back to the story that you're talking about, Mike. And it's funny, in my presentation, I spoke a lot about this and... As people get accustomed to YouTube and as they start to learn and discover all the things that really lead to success, you start hearing a lot of references again and again. Your video title is key, and it is. It's really, really important. Another thing that you've heard, many of your viewers might have heard, or if they haven't, is that the thumbnail is absolutely a phrase I like to use is mission critical.
0: Is that true? That is true, right?
2: Oh, my goodness. Like, you've got to have an amazing thumbnail.
0: Tell everybody why.
2: So the reason why is if nobody's clicking, they're not viewing, you can't sell them anything, you can't build a list, and furthermore, you can't get any watch time. Like, everything starts from the click.
0: And your thumbnails, are I mean, I've seen some of them. It's just like solid red sometimes with a couple of words on it, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. What's
0: the rationale behind that?
2: Yeah, and this, is, this really starts to lead down the path of the story. So, like I said, in my talk, I talked about those two things I mentioned and I added one more, which is the hook. So, in my talk, I was like, here are the most important things. and I'd love to get some audience feedback on what you think is most important. Video title. And then I mentioned the thumbnail. And then I mentioned the hook. And here's what I've learned. If you're serious about YouTube, you're gonna understand the importance of a video title, and in time, you're gonna overcome that bridge. It's really not that hard. But you know what is hard? Is being compelling. What's hard is telling an amazing story that grabs people and, guess what, keeps them watching. The very thing that YouTube has told us multiple times in multiple ways they value watch time, average view duration audience retention, session time, minutes watched. I just rattled off like five metrics that measure how the audience views your videos and they're all different, yet they all fall under watch time. So what I started really thinking about, Mike, is number one, is I'm not going to publish a video until I've got a really strong, I call them viral trigger or a hook. And a viral trigger oftentimes is based on things like story. A viral trigger, you've seen them in movies. Uh, Viral triggers are used by Casey Neistat. And what's neat as well is oftentimes you don't just add one hook or you don't think, oh, this is my hook. You can stack them on top of each other. So the video you saw, the red thumbnail, and it's, it's interesting. It's a little different. The title is How to Grow Your YouTube Channel Fast. And the text says, Stop uploading.
0: That's the thumbnail text?
2: Stop uploading. Okay. Like what? It's like a knee-jerk reaction almost.
0: It Uh, creates curiosity.
2: A huge curiosity. I'm trying to think um, of the
0: word. It's like oil and water. They don't go together, right?
2: Yeah, perfect. And so, it's like that thumbnail did amazingly well on day one. And it started getting pushed out and it really drew people in. And here's where it gets kind of fun. Do you remember the movie back in the day, Boys in the Hood?
0: I think I've seen it, but I don't remember.
2: Okay, so the movie takes place in LA. It's about gang violence. And the opening scene is a slow pan into a stop sign. The entire message of the movie you're going to watch wrapped up with no words. Maybe, I guess, one word in text, but there's no vocal or anything. And it really just sets the tone. And it makes you feel. So part of a hook for me is I think about this quote from Maya Angelou. And it's so powerful in marketing. And the quote is, people won't remember what you said. People won't remember what you did. But people will always remember how you made them feel. So I don't want to really make a video or spend all the time to go through that process. I mean, really, does it, does it make sense to do that? If I'm not going to be able to trigger, which is a word on YouTube you hear a lot, trigger a reaction, and that reaction is emotion, I want to make people stop Think and feel, and if I can do that, I've got them hooked.
0: Okay, you've talked about a lot of interesting things here. Um, you you mentioned this viral hook thing. You said Casey Neistat does it. You're doing it. Kind of unravel that a little bit. Like, tell us what that is. Like, help people understand that a little.
2: Yeah. Bit more. So let's go down that rabbit hole. So one of the things that I want to do is. I mentioned that these are often seen and we, we recognize them in like books and movies and whatnot. So one of the viral triggers is the, a classic David and Goliath story. And I'm smiling as I look at Mike right now. We're in person. What's kind of funny, and I didn't realize what happened, but I went through this exact video from Casey Neistat and I broke down like five viral triggers. One of them was David and Goliath. Then uh, three hours later, Casey stepped on the main stage and guess what video he went over? The same one? The same exact one. And guess what he said? I don't know. David and Goliath. Oh, really? The exact stuff that I had in my slides, because it's a classic story we relate to. Everybody relates to having that experience where you're know you you're in the principal's office and you've done wrong. Right. Or it's your parents and they're scolding you. And the authority figure is like powering down on you. And in this case, it was the New York City Police Department against Casey Neistat. So he goes into this, and he knows immediately. What's funny is someone in the audience even asked, hey, I was in Brian Johnson's presentation. Did you actually think about these things when you incorporated? And he said, no, but here's what I think. I think when you focus your entire life on how to tell stories, these things are present in your mind on a subconscious level, and you play off of them immediately.
0: So let's go to the example video that you were talking about, that you created. Yeah, tell me about the hook that you created for that.
2: So that hook again was inspired by Boys in the Hood and the the stop sign. So one of the the points I wanted to make was that you need to stop and realize all the important factors that you're going through all the important steps that as you're uploading your video, and you need to really understand how much they impact your video. For example, when you choose a video title, you are really gonna increase your views by 10 times or reduce them by 25 times. Your video title is so important. The thumbnail, what we already mentioned the importance of the thumbnail. In 2018, my thumbnail click-through rate, which basically is how often viewers are clicking on my video when YouTube shows the video to them. It was 3 to 4%.
0: Yeah, that's probably about where we are too.
2: In 2019, the thumbnail I just were talking about on day one was 5.5%. And I've had some of them hit 7.5%. So basically, if you go from 3 to 75 That's huge. You just doubled your views. So think about this. It's like, this is why I say there's no point... And making like think about all the steps in making a. Vi- it takes time to make a video. You got to come up with an idea. You know, got to know what you're talking about. You probably have some bullet points. Some people might script. Then you're going to film. That's going to take multiple takes. You're standing in front of the camera for 30 minutes. At th- that point, then you're going to go forward. You're going to spend time editing. Then you're going to upload. Then you got like why stop uploading and realize and go through the process. And so, like another thing I did was uh, I played off another movie in this video, which was Inception.
0: Oh, yeah. I love that movie.
2: I really love the idea of Inception. So, like one of the things, like I said, I want to make people feel and think. So, I got this like, really dramatic music playing. It's kind of like pulsating, and I've got some crazy B-roll. And then I mentioned Inception is the starting point at which things happen. And when you hit the publish button... You have started a chain reaction that I like to call YouTube inception. And all the decisions that you make will ultimately lead to the success or failure of your video. So again, stop and think about what you're doing. And what's interesting, and I'm going to be a a little contrarian. That's the word I was thinking about. I I like that word. So sometimes I kind of do my own thing because I want to be super creative. And a lot of times you hear like, get into the content really fast. So I guess I was into the content, but how a lot of people think about it, I wasn't.
0: Yeah, and let me just say something. Brian, what you do really well is it's almost like you're creating little documentaries. And what you do is you tease or you hint that something is coming to keep them watching. Am I right?
2: A hundred percent. And here's the thing. If I say, hey, it's really important that you pay attention to your thumbnail and your title. You know what? That's been said a million thousand hundred times by so many other YouTube creators. And I know for a fact I can't have the same kind of impact. I can't make you feel if you, if I say something you've already heard many times before, the likelihood of you having that moment where where I pull you in just a little bit more. But when I start talking about Inception and there's like this crazy music playing and I'm kind of like lowering my voice and slowing down and speaking about the power of when you upload the video, that grabs you and it, it commands attention. And here's the other thing that's really interesting, Mike, is that I've had people on numerous occasions tell me, Brian, here's the thing really good information. I nearly clicked off. And it's kind of like, ooh, like they're almost like I feel a little uneasy here. But they didn't. But they didn't. Right. And then I went to their YouTube channel, and because they hadn't optimized it, I could see who they were subscribing to. And guess what? They subscribed to my channel. So they left a comment scolding me telling me they almost clicked off which they didn't that's great and they subscribed to my channel and the average view duration on that particular video is 10 minutes which in my industry that's like i mean honestly that's rockstar status that video did what it was supposed to do i worked hard on it i i hope it doesn't come off as cocky but i just know like i that video worked really really well you know
0: so i want to break down a couple things we've talked about so far first of all um what i'm hearing you say is the thumbnail and the title need to play together in such a way to create interest or a mystery or enticement, right? Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't have to, it probably shouldn't be the same words that are in the title, right? They need to play together because they're seen together. Is that right?
2: A hundred percent. Like the way I think about it is basically the word I use a lot is compelling. And you want to be really, really compelling and you want to grab that attention and make people click. So what I do is when I'm making my video titles, I'm thinking about, am I going to add some compelling words to the title? Like, for example, I did a video in 2018, did amazingly well. It was the YouTube algorithm, Dirty Little Secrets. And it really played in to how people think, like, oh, YouTube's up. There's some dirty little secret stuff going on here. And that video did well. In this case, the title I had was already pretty darn long when we're talking about the how to grow your YouTube channel fast, and then the thumbnail text was stop uploading. So I added just stop uploading just because I didn't want to have a long... I don't like longer titles because one of the things we can share right now too is that the people aren't reading titles. People aren't like really reading the text on a thumbnail. They're comprehending. There's a million things on the screen. It's a bunch of different videos. They're
0: They're making an impulse reaction almost, right?
2: Absolutely. They're scrolling through their phone, so everything is moving. So basically, you want people to easily understand the value that they're going to get once they click. So the value that I was pitching was, hey, stop uploading and grow your channel fast. That's really weird. I haven't heard that before. And click.
0: Question. Does YouTube notice, hey, people are watching this video and even if it's not got a great title and a great thumbnail, they're still going to show it. I guess what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get to the bottom of like, here's what I'm hearing so far. The thumbnail and the title will get people to click. Getting people to click is absolutely essential. But what's even more essential is watch time, right? So if watch time is more important, should we first focus on getting our hooks and stories to work in our video and knowing that even a crappy title and a crappy thumbnail but a good video the algorithm will still give it exposure do you understand where i'm going with that 100
2: percent. and the answer is you're correct what does youtube value in a few words time watch time so what happens when you you open up your youtube analytics and you go to a specific video page and there's a there's a kind of a funnel on the analytics page it's called the watch time funnel and it begins at the very top with the amount of impressions, which is how often YouTube shows the uh, thumbnail or the video to viewers on YouTube. And then right after that is the CTR, which is how often they're clicking. Right. So I call that the multiplier because, like I said, I went from 3% in 2018 to 7%, which is double. So I just multiplied my views. And guess what? I multiplied my watch time. Amazing. But here's the other interesting factor is right after that analytic, guess what you get? Time, something? Average view duration. Right. So if you do really great with average view duration, you're really crushing it. Let's imagine your thumbnail CTR is good and your average view duration is good. Your video is going to be highly suggested. And that's one of the common questions. How do I get my video suggested? How do I get YouTube to promote my stuff? The higher the watch time metrics, the better you're going to do. And as you keep going down, the ne- the last one is minutes watched. So if you look at if you look at all the metrics, they basically take the very first thing that happens is YouTube shows the viewer the video, and how they interact, which would be a click, determines a small part of just how much minutes watch ha- happen.
0: The watch time sucks. They're just not going to show it, is what you're saying, right? And
2: Yes. If the watch time, if the average view duration is bad, your video will never be found really anywhere.
0: So talk to us a little bit about Beyond the Hook. How do we use story to keep people throughout the video? Because I feel like you do a really good job with this.
2: Oh, thank you. I kind of like break the mold sometimes and I don't have a schedule. Like, I know a lot of people that have been on your show before, they talk about schedules or they have schedules, and I respect the heck out of them. I think it's awesome. But for me, like, I'm going to spend the time and work on the video, and I don't want to be, like, pressing up against a deadline. Like, I don't want to be, like, I'm close to the video, it's Tuesday, and I'm going to publish on Wednesday.
0: Right. Right. So when you say schedule, you're not confined to publishing one or two videos a week. It's whenever you get it done. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah. But I, I want to qualify. This is important. And I publish a lot of videos. And I do get a lot of videos out. So like, if you're not publishing four videos in a month, you're probably going to really uh, have a tough time growing. But just maybe think about Do I really need to have a schedule, especially when you're starting out? Or for me right now, i got 100,000 subscribers. It gives me the freedom to really crush and make a great video. And how I got here, Mike, was you're like, how do you make a great video? Well, it starts with me kind of scripting out, thinking about all the points I want to cover. Sometimes I use just bullet points, and sometimes I will write out things word for word. And I do spend more time in every step of the process because it always leads to better results. For instance, if you typically look at most YouTube channels, statistically speaking, it's not like every video they publish is going to lead to tremendous results. What I've seen is typically 5 to maybe 15 to 20% on the high end of the videos they publish are going to break out, are going to drive hundreds of thousands or millions of views and they're going to grow the channel. So think let's do take an average 10% So that's every 10th video you publish is going to grow your channel. So the reason I don't have a schedule, I want that number to be 30%. And this summer, guess what I did? I published three or four videos in six weeks, literally back to back. I probably was touching 40%. And my subscriber rate, incredible. I basically went last year, I was doing 2,500 subscribers a month. I was doing maybe 150,000 views a month. And this summer, I was doing close to 400,000 views a month. And I almost crossed 8,000. So that's my new benchmark. I had uh, 7,900 subscribers in August.
0: So getting back to this idea of sewing story throughout the video, do you consciously use any techniques to try to... I mean, how long are your videos just out of curiosity? 10 minutes?
2: They're usually longer, usually between 10 and uh, 20 minutes. I don't have a lot of 20-minute videos, but they're usually... I would say average is probably like 12 to 16 minutes.
0: Do you consciously do, use techniques to get people to stick around in Oh, 100%. Talk to me about that.
2: Okay, yeah. So, one of the things that I like to do, again, is it starts with the scripting process. And once the script is done, I'm going to go record. And I can tell you right now, Mike, when you do this... If you're listening to this and you want to grow your channel, it's your job to always be asking yourself, what is the audience doing right now? Are they engaged? When I look at my video, whether it's the script, whether it's on my timeline and I'm editing because I I like to do that, I don't think people can nail it like I can. I'm thinking to myself, I got them for 15 seconds and then they're going to leave. So when the video starts, 15 seconds and they're going to leave. What happens in the next 15 seconds? You've got to deliver, you've got to sell, you've got to drive that value. And if it's not there, you know, what's going to happen? So what do I do to make that happen? Well, first of all, it sounds weird, but just tell yourself and ask yourself, is the audience engaged in this video right now? And when you look at the script, you can often see it like, oh, I'm talking about the same thing I spoke about back here. Or when you film, you'll be like, oh, I covered that. Now, here's how you solve it. You cut it. It's as simple as that. Just because you're standing in front of the camera and you film doesn't mean you need to add everything in. In fact, one of the techniques I use, Mike, which is crazy, like your viewers are going to be like, really? I want to hear that stuff, Brian. But like sometimes I will literally cut stuff out of a video where I'm clear. It's easy to understand what I'm talking about. But maybe the, con- the concept is a little too much. Maybe for the entire audience, I feel like maybe some of the, the percentage of the audience is going to drop off here. So I'm going to cut it, which is crazy. And I kind of feel bad. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's like I can't get my message heard if the videos aren't promoted. And then, you know, there's books you can buy and there's courses you can hook up with. And, you know, you can come into my Facebook group and I I lay down additional strategies and tactics. so.
0: So wait, what I'm hearing you say is that after you've recorded the whole thing, you just watch it and you say, okay, have I said this before? Am I being repetitive? Edit it out.
2: Right. Or if it, is this boring?
0: Yeah. Edit it out. Or even maybe am I telling too much too soon? Edit it out, right? Because I'll get it later in the video, right?
2: Absolutely. And And the other thing is too, is like sometimes the script is bloated. Like, sometimes we just...
0: You thought it was good when you wrote it, but when you heard yourself say it, it wasn't the same. Yeah, just
2: blabbering on. Right. And a few times, check this out. I wonder if you got 100 YouTubers together and you asked them, have you ever scripted out a video, filmed yourself, edited for two hours, and deleted everything and gone back to script, and I have.
0: Wow, because you didn't like it.
2: It was bloated. Wow. So I went back to the script. I cut out a section. I tightened it up. I went back to the video, filmed the video. And here's the thing. It sounds like, I'm so glad you asked this. This is really, really important. The only thing that matters is people watch and love your video. It doesn't matter how hard you worked at it. Think about this. You're like, Brian, I, sp- I worked so hard on my video. The last video took me seven hours like from filming and editing. Or seven hours might sound insane to some of your viewers. Right. But is it worth it to go nine hours And have 17 times the views.
0: We spent 40 hours editing every episode of The Journey. 40 hours. There you go. That's crazy, right? It's totally crazy. But people loved it, you know?
2: But but think about this. Let me ask you, Mike, would it be a wise business decision? Would you pay the extra money to spend maybe 47 hours? Maybe. If your views tripled? Yes. Okay, so let's think about that. Because that's, that's what we're talking about. So many people are caught up in the moment and they're working so hard and it's not working. But if nobody watches and if YouTube doesn't recommend your video, so some, and here's the other thing. Sometimes I've got a really, really great idea and I know it has the power and the, there's the possibility for greatness. I don't want to screw
0: it up. It's just like writing a book.
2: It's, it's like writing a book.
0: Think about how often, how many versions, how many drafts, how you edit it how you take out all those boring sections, how you hire another editor to look right. at it and another editor to look at it. Well, uh, Brian, this has been an absolutely fascinating interview. I want you to tell people where they can go check out your channel and watch your videos because you're doing a, an amazing job. And then also tell them where they can discover more about you if they want to reach out to you.
2: Uh, thanks Mike. Again, it's been a pleasure. You can find me at Brian G Johnson TV on YouTube. The website is Brian G Johnson dot TV. And, uh, our pal joel i think he he says like i'm pretty easy to find like where where can they find you like if you're a marketer right like yeah. ooh, i'm hiding
0: <laughs> just google brian g johnson and yeah brian g johnson everywhere
2: plenty of stuff will come up so
0: thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom and insight with us
2: oh uh, it was awesome
0: by the way if you want the show notes for today's episode socialmediaexaminer.com slash 379 are you new to this podcast hit the subscribe button so you never miss a future episode. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world.
1: The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.